You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, October 4th. I'm Portia Cook. And I'm Kira McKinley. And you're tuned into KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with updates on disputes at ASCSU. Then Portia covers local news with updates on affordable internet provider programs. After that, Portia reports on music, entertainment, and events news with information on the Earth Matter exhibit at Fort Collins Museum of Discovery. Then tune in as I interview attendees at last week's Clark Cella. Kira McKinley then reports on environmental news with updates on Hurricane Ian. After that, I go into national news with updates on a possible global recession. Then stay tuned as you and Pert goes over updates in CSU sports. And to conclude today's show, I take a look at what Fort Collins has in store for the weather this week. Let's move right into campus and local news. I'm Kira McKinley, reporting your campus news for Tuesday, October 4th. A student died at Colorado State University over the weekend. Police are still investigating the cause of her death. According to CSU police, quote, the university community is deeply saddened by this loss, and we send our heartfelt condolences to the students, family, and friends, end quote. In light of this tragedy, if you are a CSU student and are in need of counseling resources, you can go to health.colostate.edu slash resources. Your news team here at KCSU will provide updates on this story as it develops. At last week's ASCSU meeting, members of the Senate voted in new members of the Student Fee Review Board. The candidates were all previously vetted and interviewed by Vice President Elijah Sandoval. During the meeting, though, they were all brought up to the front of the Senate chambers to be officially voted in. They were asked a series of questions during this Q&A period and sent out of the room while the Senate members moved into a discussion and voting period. Once the candidates left, members of SDPS voiced their concerns for two candidates, Stephen Laffey and Adeline Schumer. Senators Morgan and Ritter thought that Schumer might need to grow in her understanding of different diversity issues, but eventually their concerns were eased. When it came to Laffey, the senator's concerns were more deeply rooted. Laffey, who is a 14-year-old attending CSU, supposedly made some questions last year that made the members of SDPS feel as though their voices could have been silenced. In response to these claims, Elijah Sandoval said, quote, I understand where you are coming from because I felt very uncomfortable around Stephen last year. However, people grow. People change. We cannot be continuing to compare last year to this year. There are so many new faces in this space, so many new voices, so many new thoughts, ideas, you name it. We cannot continue to judge someone by their past mistakes. I learned that. I learned that in the spring semester with one of our choices for directors. I made that mistake. I have full confidence in Stephen Laffey and his ability to do this job. End quote. After Elijah's remarks, the two candidates who were being discussed were brought back in for questioning again. The senators leading up the allegations against Laffey continued to bring them up, but not elaborate on them. The Speaker of the Senate, Nicholas Del Savo, then said, quote, You know, before we continue any further with this, I'd like us all to think for a second. Let's just say you're a random student, not in ASCSU, thinking about the student government and wondering what we actually do. And we show them an example of this. Do you think that would really be a good use of our time or a good use of the student fee dollars that we are so blessed with in order to make real change on campus? Before we proceed any further with this, I'd like you all to think about this. 
Soon after DeSalvo's remarks, Stephen Laffey responded to these allegations and requested more information on them. The senators leading up these allegations did not dive too far into their premises as they abruptly left the Senate chambers. Shortly after their exit, a vote took place that ratified all the proposed candidates as board members of the Student Fee Review Board. Thank you for listening to My Campus News Updates. Now on to Portia Cook with your local news. I am Portia Cook reporting your local news. A Fort Collins detective was attacked, and here's what we know. On September 29th, around 8 o'clock p.m., undercover Fort Collins police service detectives in plain clothes were conducting follow-up work for a previous case near North Boise Avenue and East 8th Street in Loveland. According to a City of Fort Collins press release, the detectives were approached by an acquaintance of the suspect in the case. The man ultimately struck one of the detectives who suffered severe injuries. The injured detective was transported to an area hospital and is expected to recover. The critical response team was activated to investigate the incident. CERT team detectives detained and interviewed the man at the Loveland Police Department, but the man was later released pending further investigation. At this time, it's unclear why the suspect was released after seriously injuring the detective. However, the district attorney will determine appropriate charges concluding the case investigation. Anyone with information who has not already spoken to police can contact Loveland Police Detective Corey Richards at 970-962-2274. A federal program to help Colorado households afford internet service and connect is now available to eligible households. The Affordable Connectivity Program will help eligible households receive up to a $30 a month discount on their monthly internet provider bills and up to a $75 per month discount for qualifying households on tribal lands. Another benefit of the program is a $100 discount on purchasing laptops, tablets, or desktop computers. Generally, a household is eligible for the Affordable Connectivity Program if the household income is at or below 200% of the federal poverty guidelines. A household is also eligible if the following criteria is met. Participates in any of the following assistance programs, including SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, Medicaid, Federal Public Housing Assistance, Veterans Pension or Survivor Benefits, SSI, which is Supplemental Security Income, WIC, which is Women, Infants, and Children, or Lifeline. Additionally, participants in any of the following tribal-specific programs will qualify. That includes the Bureau of Indian Affairs General Assistance Program, Tribal TANF, Food Distribution Program on Indian Reservations, or Tribal Head Start. Participants in the Free and Reduced Price School Lunch Program or the School Breakfast Program, including through the USDA eligibility provision, anyone who has received a federal Pell Grant during the current award year, and anyone who meets the eligibility criteria for a participating broadband provider's existing low-income internet program. Those who want to apply for the program or find more information can do so by going to affordableconnectivity.gov or by calling 1-877-384-2575. Participating local provider information can also be found on the Larimer County Subsidized Internet Program webpage. The following story is an update to a previous fentanyl and methamphetamine arrest and seizure. Fort Collins Police Services Criminal Impact Unit arrested a second person in connection with a Northern Colorado Drug Task Force investigation. 
As a result of the ongoing investigation, an arrest warrant was issued for Joshua Edward Pruell of Fort Collins, alleging two different offenses for unlawful distribution of narcotics, possession of drug paraphernalia, and violation of a protection order. His bond was set at $500,000. On September 20th, Pruell was apprehended near Troutman and JFK Parkway intersection. A search concluded that Pruell had additional narcotics on him, resulting in two new charges, alleging unlawful possession with intent to distribute methamphetamine and fentanyl. The bond for the latest charges was also an additional $500,000. Pruel is currently being held in the Larimer County Jail. A busy Interstate 25 frontage road near Fort Collins will close again for the second time. According to Miles Bloomhart of the Colorado and the I-25 Southeast Frontage Road just north of Colorado Highway 392 from the Colorado Mountain RV entrance to just south of Larimer County Road 34 will be closed from October 3rd through the 21st. The closure comes as the installation of an underground drainage line, culvert, and inlet will be installed as a part of the 100-year flood prevention portion of the North I-25 Express Lane project. Additional information on the North I-25 Express Lane project can be found on cdot.gov. If you're a Fort Collins native like me, then you remember the excitement of going to the Switzville Zoo as a child. Today, as the land sale nears, Switzville owner and founder Bill Sweats gets ready to say goodbye to the remaining acres of the famous zoo. The famous zoo sat on the corner of East Harmony Road and I-25. Sweats, who is a retired farmer, owned and spent nearly his entire life on the 120-acre property. Macaulay Development Group will close the final sale of the remaining 36 acres of land on December 1st. The zoo included funky, unique, and whimsical animal sculptures made from car parts, scraps, metal, and more. As for the famous zoo sculptures, Sweats plans to keep a few for himself and sell two at an upcoming estate sale. Macaulay Development Group confirmed with the Coloradoan that they are interested in keeping all the remaining sculptures. Macaulay Development Group plans to develop the land into a mixed-use live-work-play community. I'm Portia Cook, and that is all for your local news. Stay tuned for entertainment news with me after the break. Five hundred people tune into KCSU every week. Do you want them to hear you? Integrating into the Northern Colorado music scene can be difficult, and KCSU is here to make your life easier. Whether you're a nationally touring or local band, KCSU invites you to submit your music to KCSU's digital submission form. Find the form at kcsufm.com. In entertainment news, the Gregory Alcar Museum of Arts at Colorado State University in conjunction with Off the Shelf presents the Music in the Museum concert series Contemporary Brook Arts in Colorado. 
The event will take place Wednesday, October 5th from 12 to 1 p.m. in the Gregory Alicar Museum of Arts in the University Center for the Arts at 1400 Remington Street in Fort Collins. According to the Gamma event information page, Gamma's free music in the museum concert series will explore the cross-fertilization of music and the visual arts through concerts in the galleries. The event will include performances by Colorado State University's music faculty and students and will be enriched with context provided by faculty and students from the Department of Art and Art History and the School of Music, Theater and Dance. The Music in the Museum concert will feature visual music by CSU students with context provided by exhibition curators Johnny Palestini and Anna Bernhard. These concerts are offered at no cost and are open to the public. However, registration is strongly suggested as space is limited. Registration closes one hour before each concert or if the event reaches total capacity. Registration for the event can be found on Eventbrite under Music in the Museum Concert Series off-the-shelf contemporary book art tickets. The Fort Collins Museum of Discovery presents Earth Matters Rethink the Future. Earth Matters Rethink the Future features a fully interactive exhibit that enables viewers to think in terms of solutions across a world of topics. Visitors will engage in a variety of themes like biodiversity, rising global temperatures, and carbon emissions while creating lasting perspectives about the bigger roles we play in our environments. Viewers will have the chance to see the inner workings of a tree, learn about endangered species, experience life in a coral reef, and calculate their water consumption. According to the Fort Collins Museum of Discovery event page, quote, Earth Matters Rethink the Future gives us all a chance to reimagine a more sustainable future starting in our own backyard, end quote. The exhibition takes place from September 17th through January 8th. Tickets for the exhibition can be found on the Fort Collins Museum of Discovery's website. Teton Gravity Research presents Magic Hour at the Aggie Theater in Fort Collins. TGR is returning to the Aggie Theater to showcase their ski and snowboard film titled Magic Hour. The family-oriented film will premiere on the big screen on October 5th and October 6th at 6 o'clock p.m. Aside from the film, the event will include prize giveaways from TGE, Yeti, Sierra Nevada, Icom Press, and more. Everyone in attendance at the event will also have a chance to receive the grand prize, which is a trip to TGR's hometown, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Mountain Ski Resort. Tickets for the film can be found on the Aggie website. I'm Portia Cook, and that's all for your entertainment news. Now, interviews with myself and attendees from last week's event at Clark Cella. Colorado State University's Journalism and Media Communication Department students and staff came together to celebrate Clark Cella this past Friday, September 30th. Clark Cella is an annual event held exclusively for journalism students as a way to build community and provide education, resource, and networking opportunities, and of course, a lot of fun. Now, I was able to hit this year's festivities held right outside of the Clark C building. And of course, my people here at 90.5 FM started off by setting the vibe with some timeless tunes.
with your friendly photographers and your faculty. We have tons of great activities going on. Collect information and have fun and engage with everybody here. In about five minutes, we're gonna go over to Dr. Tori. She's waving over here. And we're gonna kick off Clark Shetler with the happiness moment with Dr. Tori. So start making your way over there. Take advantage of all this open space. Sit down, eat your burrito, your ice cream. Burrito? And celebrate being in Clarkchella. Woo! Woo! Yeah, on my way to participate in Dr. Tori Arthur's happiness moment, I bumped into my previous JMC instructor, senior professor Danny Castillo. I had the pleasure of taking a visual communications course with Professor Castillo, so I was pretty excited to see her outside of the classroom. I call Professor Castillo the sticker lady because she creates some amazing sticker designs and she is also the creative mind behind a lot of the artwork for the Clark Cella logo and other Clark Cella advertisements. My name is Portia. I'm here with Danny Castillo, who is a senior professor in the JMC department. Danny, tell me what is going on out here outside the Clark C building today. We're having Clark Cella. It's uh, going to be an annual event where like the JMC department features all, it, all its goods, basically. Your student clubs and events and things like that. What are you most excited about today at Clark Cella? The ice cream and the burritos. <laughs> oh, okay, so I did see that. The first yeah. 200 people to show up get a free burrito yeah. and then there's walrus ice cream for everyone. That is awesome. What has been your favorite part of Carcella in the past? I think that it just gets people together. I, that's a really cool thing that you get to see all the students come together and the faculty come together and everything. What is your biggest hope for Clarkcella today? Oh, that we get a really, really good turnout and that the weather holds. Awesome. And is this your booth right here? No, actually, I don't have a booth. I'm just walking around. I came to visit. <laughs> here to support. Well, it was great to see you and thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. And now it was time for Dr. Tori Arthur's happiness circle. I made my way over and I sat down on the grass on a pretty blue and white throw blanket in a circle with other JMC students and staff where we were then led on a journey of mindfulness. Now, I just participated in a mindfulness session led by Dr. Tori Arthur, and it was wonderful. It was an awesome way to kick off Clark Cella. Few of us out here, some that I knew, some that I didn't know, and we sat in a circle and we did some envisioning of some of the goals that we want to accomplish this semester um, within the next three weeks, and then what it would feel like to accomplish those goals. It was a really great practice. It really set me up right for the rest of Clark Cella. So here we go. After Dr. Tori Arthur's happiness circle, I felt so good. I was ready to hit the rest of Clark Cella and check out some of the booths. First up was the first generation booth. 
Interestingly enough, I am also a first-generation student, so this booth was a good fit. So my name is Jessie Shepard. I'm a senior. My major is journalism and media communications, and I'm the president of the first-gen club here for the journalism department. And so what we're doing here is we have these little cutouts here. So first-gen students are going to come and say what it means to be first-gen to them. So they write it down, and we have this big cutout one here that we're going to stack them all in. So it's like a big representation of first-gen. And then non-first-gen students still get to participate space so they can come in and write down like what does it mean to have a school that welcomes first-gen students what do their first-gen friends mean to them and that kind of stuff so it's just a good way to kind of get everybody involved and more aware of what it means to be first-gen I know for me personally I did not know that I was first-generation when I first came here and it's really easy to be one it's just kind of like you know if your parents didn't go to college or even if your parents did go to college but they never graduated or if they went uh, when they were you know older and stuff so if you guys were in college in tandem, you know, together simultaneously, then you still qualify. Or even if like your grandparents went to college, but your parents didn't go, you know, so it's really easy to qualify to be first gen and stuff. So, and for those looking for more information on first gen, where can they go? So you guys can reach us at our Instagram, which is first gen JMC. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and contact Aaliyah Jasper, who is like our social media kind of coordinator. Um, or they can contact Michelle Ansel at either in her office or at her email. At this point, more and more JMC students started to join the event, some eating burritos, some eating walrus ice cream, both of which were given out at the event, and some were standing on blocks of wood. Why were they standing on blocks of wood? I had no clue, so I headed on over to check it out. So my name is Layla Malicadelli. I'm one of the grads in the art department, or in art history and sculpture, and Vince is here with me, and Niku, also both grads with MOVA, which is the Masters of Visual Arts Association. We're block printing at Clark Cella, so we've got a ton of different squirrels doing some crazy activities, surfing and in tubes going to, you know, down a lazy river. And also uh, we have a couple new blocks that are um, in support of uh, women in Iran right now and with current events like they are. So come by and block print with us. We've got a number of handkerchiefs and shirts and bags that you can print on or feel free to bring your own fabric items to print on because when we run out that's all we got. Awesome and for those that aren't able to really see what's going on what is block printing? I've never seen this before. Yeah so it's basically a relief is made so we've carved into literal blocks of MDF so basically a wood product and then that what's raised gets inked and then when you are standing on that block on your fabric, it's then releasing that ink onto your fabric. So it kind of like is this nice reversal of that image down on your, on your item. From what I see, it looks beautiful and I look forward to block printing a cute little design here. So thank you very much for the information. Yeah. Okay. Enjoy yourself at Clark Chella. Thanks, you too. I wanted to give block printing a try, but I had to put it on hold because CSU's dance group Coco Choreo was coming in hot with their K-pop performance. After their perfectly choreographed performance, I was able to sit with members of the group to learn more about their style of dancing. I'm Coco. We're a K-pop dance group here at CSU. And today we're going to be performing a song by Blackpink called Pink Venom. So I hope that you guys enjoy it. All of us are self-taught dancers and we just dance for fun. So we're excited to show you guys our performance. Alright, come gather around for the next group of dancers. And 
maybe Greg Luft, do you want to join in here? Greg Luft, I heard you've been practicing. Okay. I am here with members of Coco Corio, and I just watched one of their K-pop performances. Let me tell you, it blew me out of the water. I'm going to have y'all introduce yourselves. I'm Jasenia Sutherland. Hi, I'm Jenny Yoon. Hi, I'm Nada Seryu Aikbukin. And then I'm Yasmin Lawson. How long have y'all been a group? Uh, just since the beginning of last year, freshman year, we started the group. Here at CSU. That is awesome. Now talk to me a little bit about the performance today. You said it was a K-pop performance. What does that mean? So K-pop is uh, a genre of music originating from Korea. That's what the K stands for. And it's just Korean pop music. And, you know, they're really phenomenal in their performances, like dance and vocal, just visual-wise, they're really great. So um, a lot of people, including us, were um, covering their dances or like copying their dances, you know? like a culture kind of yeah awesome awesome and is that what the, the dance group is focused on is k-pop yes style dancing yes um yeah we are a group that's focused mainly in k-pop we do hope to choreograph sometime in the future obviously but for right now we are doing k-pop and what is some of your guys's biggest inspirations what groups do you take a lot of choreo from yeah, so honestly, it all depends on the group that's come back. A comeback means that they are creating a new set of music. They're already an established group, but we call it a comeback because they're coming back with new music. And so we just focus on whatever is popular at the moment, but we do take big inspiration from Blackpink, BTS, and Hypen, and ITZY. What's next for your group? Well, we, we're just kind of like here for fun, but at the same time, we do have pretty big goals. We are an audition-based group, so we hope to grow our group because it's pretty small considering the fact that, you know, we became a group last year. But we have pretty big goals, like if you don't know, KCON is a goal of ours. KCON is like a K-pop convention. Um, it's really huge and it's like global and we would love to perform there someday. But right now, humble beginnings, we're trying to grow our YouTube channel, Coco Choreo. Awesome, and for those that are interested in maybe just learning a little bit more about the style of dancing, maybe watching you guys, or even joining the group, where should they go? So we have an Instagram account called Coco Choreo. <laughs> and how do you spell it's that? It's C-O-K-O underscore C-H-O-R-E-O. And so they can always shoot us a DM and one of our admins will respond within that day. And we can set up a time for them to audition. And we'll also be holding workshops as well so that people don't have to learn a full choreo and they can learn like a chorus of the choreo. Awesome, awesome. Well, phenomenal, phenomenal job. I look forward to seeing more of Coco Choreo in the future. And thank you for being here. Thank you so thank much. You so much. Coco Corio did not disappoint, and at this point, neither did Clark Chella. The energy was high and the conversations were flowing. So Assistant News Director Kira McKinley and myself decided to do a little networking and meet some fellow JMC students. Okay, I'm out here at Clark Chella with Andrew Brown. Andrew, what is your major? I'm in journalism. And what do you plan on doing with your journalism degree after school? So I'm looking more towards the digital production area. So. Like that would include like photography, videography, video editing, and other things related to that, sound production, all that. As well as I'm also in a communication studies minor, which I also see as like a film minor because or film studies minor because you know it, it, it's kind of confusing. But I'm learning how to screenwrite in that one, so I might go into that field too. 
Awesome, awesome. Now you're out here at Clarcella. What have you enjoyed most so far? What have you come across that you're like, this is pretty cool? I mean, I love to see all my old professors. <laughs> um, that's always fun. So my old friends, you know, the free food. I just got a burrito. And I don't know, just, just the energy here is good. It's good to be around uh, other journalism majors. Definitely, I agree with that. Now, there's been a lot of hype around Clarcella. Is it living up to that hype? Um, not yet, but it's still early. I think we're going to see more traffic around maybe one, is my guess. Well, I'm glad to see you out here. Enjoy the rest of your Clarkcella. All right, thank you. Okay, so tell me your name and your major and year. Uh, my name is JJ McKinney. I'm a sophomore. <laughs> I'm a sophomore studying journalism and media communication. Awesome. Now, I see you have something in your hand. What is this? I'm not sure what exactly it is. I'm probably going to use it like as a little um, mat to put on like a dinner table, but it's a nice little clock and it has a surface glow on it. It came out pretty nice. Is that what you did at that board painting station? Yeah, we uh, kind of just stood there for two minutes and talked to a bunch of friends. It was pretty cool. Nice, yeah. nice. So you're a journalism student. What did you expect here at Clarkcella today and is it meeting that expectation? I mean, this is like way better than last year's Clarkcella. And I say that in the best way possible because last year's Clarkcella was pretty great. But this one is just like a step above like last year's. It's just a lot of good people, really strong community. It's just really energetic. I'm, I'm really vibing with it. Yeah. Nice, good. Yeah. What has been your favorite thing so far? The ice cream truck is pretty great. There's a little dance circle in there. People dancing their heart out. You know, it may not be the best dancing, but they look confident and having fun. Um, I like it. Yeah, now, nice. What's your best pitch for Clark Cella next year? Um, I would say just have more people from the community. Because it's, it's really school-focused, but there are journalists from all across the state that would love something like this. So I think if they got people like that, I think I think it would just bring us up above. Yeah. Awesome, JJ. Well, thanks for being out here, and we're glad to see you. Yeah, of course. Thanks, JJ. I'm Kenny Frederick, and I'm a journalism major. And I'm Alex Prast, and I'm trying to be a journalism major. I'm currently undeclared. And what are you guys doing here at Clark Charles today? Uh, we're just out here promoting uh, Collegian Television. Check us out Tuesday through Thursday at 7 o'clock. Uh, we're just out here trying to get connected with the students. And what do you guys like about Clarkcella? It's just so many people. Like, I love the energy here. This is my first time at Clarkcella, so it's, it's wild seeing how many people are, like, out here supporting this stuff. Yeah, I mean, JTC is such a fun community, and, you know, it's so big that you never get to really see everybody. And it's fun to have an event where, you know, everybody gets to come out and kind of represent themselves. Is there anything that you've learned today so far participating in Clarkcella that you maybe didn't know in the past? Journalism is very big. There's a lot of departments of it that I really didn't know existed. I did not know we had so many hip-hop dance clubs uh, in the journalism department. I thought that was funny. That's great. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else to add? Nah, loving Clark Chella and can't wait for next year. Thank awesome. you guys. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. After making some new friends, it was time to fulfill an assignment for my social media management class, so I headed over to the Instagram booth to capture some photos. The setup was beautifully boho and made for the perfect photo backdrop. Okay, I am out here at Clarkcella at a beautiful photo booth, and I'm here with Emily Johnson. Emily Johnson, tell me what's going on in here today. 
So this is an Insta booth or an Instagrammable space and I have a background in interior design and staging and so, but I also work full time for the journalism department so they just asked me if I wanted to create a space and I said yes and so I just brought all these different elements together, kind of made it boho to fit the Coachella theme, um, just to encourage students to come in, sit down, take pictures and enjoy the Clarkchella experience. I love it. It's absolutely beautiful. Talk to me about some of the pieces that are in here for people that aren't able to see what I'm seeing. Okay, so we have some beautiful like newspaper pinwheels that students made, which I love because they're handmade and also speak to what we do in this department, which is all about media and then in journalism and then we have like these beautiful um kind of like a prayer card type thing beautiful printed um multi-colored like streamer type thing and then pretty much everything else is just from my own personal collection which i sell antiques on the side so everything is just stuff that i've gathered over time and just brought it together to kind of convey a certain vibe Awesome. So then anybody can just come in here and shoot some photos for their Insta? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Awesome. We have all different, you know, little seating areas. So wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's a beautiful setup, this Instagram photo booth. It is something to see. Not far from the photo booth, we're through the Student Lens Film booth and Colorado Media booth. Assistant News Director Kira McKinley and myself headed on over to check them out. I am here with Through the Student Lens with Samantha Graff. Uh, Molly Gruff. And y'all are journalism majors, I take it? Uh, I'm a comm studies major, actually, and I'm the student program director this semester for TSO. My sister's kind of just helping me out today because she had some free time. Awesome. Talk to us about what TSO is. Um, so it is the Colorado State University Student Film Festival on campus, and we do an in-person and online screening, and it happens in the spring right now. We're running this booth to get as many submissions as possible and just let students know that this is an awesome event that they can look forward to in the spring. That is awesome. So talk to us about what type of film submissions are allowed or what is it that y'all are looking for? Honestly, we take all kinds of films. The limitations are that you have to be a CSU student or alumni um, and it has to have a minimum runtime of a minute and a maximum runtime of 10 minutes. Awesome. What are some of your favorite films that you've seen in the past? Um, there were a couple last year that were really interesting. There were some really powerful ones about um, really difficult topics like sexual assault, but there were also some really engaging, um, upbeat ones. Uh, there was one about what it was like to be a student on campus. There was another one that was like this animation one about like creation and like there were these claymation figures. It was so crazy. You can actually check them all out on the TSL YouTube page as well. And check out our website, it's at filmfreeway.com. And the name of the festival is Through the Student Lens. Awesome, well thank you so much and thank you for being here at Coachella. Yeah, thank you. So I am out here with Linda Shapling with Colorado Community Media Booth. What is going on over here at your booth today? Hey, so I've snuck into Coachella since I'm a, I'm a CSU alum and had a real opportunity to kind of, essentially I recognize that Colorado Community Media is the, is, uh, the largest local news organization in the state of Colorado. Uh, we have 26 papers in the Denver metro area and I wanted to get out in front of students from my alma mater so that that way I could uh, make sure that all the students knew about what great opportunities they could have with our news organization. That's wonderful. Now let's talk about some of those opportunities. <laughs> so we are, currently we have a couple of job opportunities. We're hiring for a sales professional. Chances are we will soon be hiring for a reporter. 
but we also have internship uh, opportunities that we do in the summer and they're paid. So then that way we can make sure that we are finding that next generation of journalistic talent that can be part of, of what we do in terms of keeping our community strong and providing local news. Absolutely. Now, outside of the practical skills, what would you say are some of the skills that individuals gain from being a part of Colorado Community Media? You know, in a lot of ways, it comes down to uh, curiosity, that what we really want from uh, from the folks that come to work for us is that they have an insatiable curiosity and that that will carry over to the work that they're doing in um, reporting on their communities. When something's going on, whether it's breaking news, whether it's sports, whether it's business profiles, all those opportunities to have uh, curiosity about where they live and how people can live their lives better. Now, where can individuals go if they're looking for additional information or to apply for such jobs? So, uh, we don't have those job postings yet, but we will have them on coloradocommunitymedia.com soon. Or they can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm Linda Shapley on Twitter. So, please hit me up. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for the information and thank you for being out here. Absolutely. Thanks. Here to bring you a variety of music from all over the world every Friday from 1 to 3 p.m. Since Hurricane Ian hit, 76 people have died, while 1,100 people have been rescued in southwest and central Florida. Those who survived the hurricane are now facing its aftermath. Ian has caused 680,000 homes and businesses to still be without power. In addition to this loss of power, Many residents still don't have clean tap water. Many are now claiming that Florida looks unrecognizable due to the flooding from Hurricane Ian. Information comes from CNN. In other environmental news, scientists have now confirmed that the quote fingerprint now exists. This fingerprint is now critical to predicting the impact of climate change. The fingerprint is a unique pattern of sea level change due to the melting ice in Greenland. This is the first time melting ice sheets have been directly linked to sea level change. This quote fingerprint was discovered through high-resolution satellite observations that showed sea level changes due to the melting ice in Greenland. 80% of Greenland is covered by ice sheets and they are currently melting. Due to this new confirmation of the fingerprint, scientists now know that the melting of these ice sheets is responsible for 20% of global sea level rise. A recent study found that even if countries all around the globe stop burning fossil fuels, 
the melting of these ice sheets will still likely cause the global sea level to increase by 10 inches. Information comes from CNN. Two underwater gas lines in Europe are now leaking, and the European Union thinks they were sabotaged. The gas pipes have already leaked one-third of Denmark's annual carbon emissions. Some experts are saying Russia is to blame as they continue their seven-month war with Ukraine and could benefit from more market instability in Europe. European countries are struggling to handle the already high gas and electricity prices. The two underwater pipelines run from Russia to Germany. And right before the leak started, two explosions went off in the Baltic Sea. In response to this leak, the EU foreign policy chief said, quote, Any deliberate disruption of European energy infrastructure is utterly unacceptable and will be met with a robust and united response, end quote. Information from this story comes from NBC. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates. Nash NoCo is a proud underwriting sponsor of 90.5 KCSU. Nash NoCo is a local food delivery company serving Northern Colorado. Nash NoCo partners with a collective of local restaurant owners to deliver food using their mobile app or website. The local owners of Nash NoCo are proud to support other Northern Colorado businesses, food lovers, and listeners of 90.5 KCSU. For more information, visit noco.noshdelivery.co or the Nash NoCo app. In national news, four people were arrested in a $1.3 million fraud and identity theft case, and three of those people were U.S. Postal Service workers. This fraud and theft scheme has been going on since 2018 in New York and in New Jersey. In response to this case, U.S. Attorney Damian Williams said, quote, The defendants took advantage of the public trust we place in U.S. Postal Service employees, for their own financial gain. William then goes on to say, thanks to the diligence of the Postal Inspection Service, the NYPD, and the Office of the Inspector General, the defendants will now be held accountable for their brazen criminal conduct, end quote. The defendants are now facing charges of conspiracy to access device fraud, access device fraud, and aggravated identity theft charges. Information from this story comes from CNN. A small plane crashed into a house in Minnesota, killing all three people aboard the plane. The two residents in the home, though, were uninjured. The plane just barely missed these two residents as it crashed into their second floor of the house and then proceeded to land in their backyard. Officials from the Federal Aviation Administration and the National Transportation Safety Board are now investigating to see what must have transpired to have caused this crash. Information from this story comes from NBC. 42 people are now dead in Lee County, Florida, after Hurricane Ian swept through the area. Rescue and recovery efforts are still underway within this area as well. 
Now, local officials are questioning whether the residents in this area were advised to evacuate soon enough. According to the county's emergency management plan, even a 10% chance of a storm surge that could result in six feet of flooding would then prompt evacuations. Last Sunday, it was predicted that the storm surge could result in four to seven feet of flooding, but officials didn't release evacuation orders despite these predictions. Lee County officials waited until Tuesday, one day before the storm hit Florida, to release a mandatory evacuation order. On this same day, the storm surge flooding prediction was raised to 5 to 10 feet of flooding within this area. In addition to this late evacuation notice, schools were even open in the county on Monday, despite the fact that they should be used as emergency shelters in these situations. Local officials defended their decision by claiming that since the county was out of the cone, which is the hurricane's projected path, 72 hours before the hurricane hit, evacuations weren't mandatory. Officials from NHC retorted these claims and said that the hurricane often hits areas outside of its projected cone. Information from this story comes from NPR. A recession has been looming just around the corner for quite some time. CNN claims that, quote, the question of a recession is no longer an if, but when. There is a 98% chance that the global economy will enter into a recession, according to CNN. The high probability of recession has only been this high twice before, once in 2008 and in 2020. This probability is due to five different signs, the first of which is the increase in the value of the U.S. dollar. Since March, U.S. central banks have been raising interest rates, which in turn makes the dollar more attractive to investors all around the world. While Americans traveling abroad may benefit from this, many other countries are now dealing with high import costs for essential items like food and fuel. A second reason CNN provides is the lack of shopping. Prices have been increasing for over a year, but wages have not, so citizens are not spending as much as they previously were. Another reason a recession may just be around the corner is due to corporate America. Corporations that greatly contribute to the U.S. economy are projected to take a sizable financial hit. FedEx, for example, found that their profits could decrease as much as 40%. The fourth reason CNN provides is that stocks are projected to plummet. The worst stock predictions since 2008 have been released. Lastly, the combination of various economic calamities like war, soaring prices, and radical policies could lead the global economy into recession as well. Information from this story comes from CNN. In other national news, pop star and classically trained musician Lizzo made history this past week. The singer played former president James Madison's flute while in D.C., When Clara Hayden, the first woman and first African-American librarian of Congress, found out Lizzo would be in D.C. for a performance, she tagged the artist in a tweet that showcased some of the flutes at the library and invited her to stop by and play a couple. Lizzo took the congresswoman up on this offer and played the instrument that was made in 1813 for Madison's second inauguration. Information from this story comes from NPR. Thank you for listening to my national news updates. Now on to your CSU sports updates with Ewan Pert. I'm Ewan Pert. Welcome to this week's RMR Sports Update. 
this week we have seven teams to talk about. The first being volleyball. They're going into this week at 11 and four on the season, currently on a four game winning streak. And they have two games later this week to continue that good play. The first will be against Nevada and the second will be against San Jose State, both here in Fort Collins at Moby Arena. Up next, we've got football, who is now 0-4 on the season. They've got one game later this week, uh, and they will be heading to Nevada to play Nevada. Up next, we have tennis, and for the first time ever, CSU's tennis team will be participating in the ITA All-American Championships at the beginning of the week. Up next is women's soccer, who is now 4-3-5 on the season. They have a streak of three ties in a row, but they are looking to earn the game's favor as they go up against UNLV and Nevada at the end of the week. Up next is women's golf. The Rams golf team took third in the Colonel Wallenberg Tarmagam Ram Classic and will be looking to improve on their good play going into DU's Ron Moore's women's intercollegiate throughout the end of the week. Up next is women's swim and dive. At the end of the week, the team will have their first real competition of the season as they head to Fresno, California to play in the Chick-fil-A Invitational. Up next is softball. The softball team will be having a pair of games at the end of the week against the University of Nebraska. I'm Ian Pert. This has been your sports update of the week. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for today, Tuesday, October 4th. And just like that, we are starting to feel the effects of fall here in Fort Collins. If you take a look around outside, we're already starting to see those leaves change colors as well. I don't know about you, but I am ready for all things fall. As for the weather, today was mostly cool and cloudy with a high of 67. Tonight, you can expect continued cloudy skies and a low of 45. Wednesday's temps jump back up a little bit to a high of 68 with sunny skies. Wednesday evening gives us clear skies and lows in the mid-40s. As for the rest of this week's weather, you can tune in to the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins. I am Portia Cook with your KCSU weather report. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guest today, our news producer, Reese Granger, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Portia. And I'd like to thank you, Kira. And finally, we couldn't do this without you. Dear listener, thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under news or podcast. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.